Greetings, friends, and welcome to UFO Mod Pod. I'm Jason McClellan. I'm Ryan Sprague. And I'm Marina Ellsbury. Thank you for joining us the week of the 20th anniversary of the Phoenix Lights. Yeah, that's right. So we're recording this episode on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. But we're not going to be talking about Guinness drinking aliens today. That'd be kind of cool. Maybe we should think about that. But uh, rather, we're talking about a major UFO event that just celebrated an anniversary this week. As Maureen mentioned, March 13th, 2017, marked the 20th anniversary of perhaps the best-known mass UFO sighting of the modern UFO era. Of course, we're talking about the Phoenix Lights. The Phoenix Lights has become somewhat complicated to discuss because, like many UFO cases, Roswell included, the story grows and evolves over time. The story of the Phoenix Lights has grown from a single incident that occurred on one night to multiple incidents that occurred on the same night to many incidents that occurred on different nights and even continue occurring periodically to this day. But obviously, where the 20th anniversary is concerned, we're talking specifically about the events of March 13, 1997. As I mentioned, the Phoenix Lights was a mass UFO sighting seen by thousands of Arizona residents. Witnesses described the first event of that night as a large V-shaped craft, which people say was equivalent to the size of multiple football fields. Witness testimony describes that this apparent craft essentially flew over much of the state. The second event of that night is the one with which most people are familiar, and the one that received media attention. This event consisted of nine lights that hovered in the sky over Phoenix's West Valley. Despite the governor and other officials seeking explanations from the military, no explanation was offered until months later when the Air Force asserted that the lights were simply test flares dropped by A-10s at the Barry Goldwater Test Range located southwest of Phoenix. The strange lights in the sky obviously made local news that night and got some local newspaper coverage too. But it wasn't until three months later when USA Today ran a front page story about the Phoenix lights that the case received widespread attention. That's probably, uh, presumably, I guess, what prompted the Air Force to come forward with the military flare explanation, despite initially denying any involvement. It was also that time that then-Governor Fife Symington held the press conference to address the Phoenix Lights. He announced that his office had identified the party responsible for the incident. Then he had his chief of staff appear before the media in an alien costume. He did so in an effort to lighten the mood and reduce growing public concern regarding the unexplained lights in the sky. Years later, of course, Symington, who, is, who had been an Air Force pilot, admitted that he too was a witness that night to what he describes as a large craft that is not of earthly origin. He's also apologized for making light of the situation. We've discussed the Phoenix Lights several times on this show. Uh, if you remember, I think it was last year around this time, our friend Dr. Len Kitai, one of the leading Phoenix Lights researchers, came on the show to discuss the case. Ryan and I even talked a little about the Phoenix Lights last month during one of our Facebook Live broadcasts from the International UFO Congress. But we enjoy regularly revisiting historical UFO cases on this show to help keep them fresh in our minds, and to help introduce people who are casually interested or are new to the study of UFOs to these cases. So, again, on the heels of the 20th anniversary of this incredible case, we're discussing the Phoenix Lights. So, Maureen, I guess I'll start with you. I just explained why we are spending our time talking about this case, but why do you think other people should care at all about the Phoenix Lights? What makes this one of the cases that deserves continued study and discussion? 
Um, I think it's because it was an, you know, an event that was witnessed by so many people. Yeah. Uh, everyone wants the answers, and then that draws the curiosity. You know, obviously, we're all interested in cases that happen all over the world. So, this one event that saw so many normal Phoenix citizens um, wondering what was going on, and then that there was that element of doubt, of wait a minute, you know, that's not what I saw. And that mm -hmm. became like a huge thing. There were so many people of, I know what I saw. Um, and it wasn't this, you know, this object blocked out the stars or this person saw these orbs that were, they said were floating away. They, there's no way it could have been flares with the parachutes attached. You know, people think that, you know, this deserves recognition because it was so monumental, you know, yeah. and and they are not satisfied with the conclusion they were given. So they're trying to dig deeper, I think. Well, for for those who aren't uh, familiar with this case or haven't followed some of the developments, I mean, yes, we hear about the military flares being offered as the explanation for this case. Many people just accept that and write it off, um, including many people who live here and, and saw those lights. I know many people who, you know, said, oh, yeah, that was military flares. But when you look into it and look that not only did Governor Symington and then um, Councilwoman Francis Barwood mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. very actively pursued this and, you know, went straight to the Luke Air Force Base and the military seeking information about this. They were stonewalled. They were given no information. And not only were they given no information, they were also told directly that the military had n nothing to do with it. Test flares are nothing. There's nothing secret about them. Um, and as they admit, and people will tell you in trying to explain the Phoenix Lights as flares, test flares are dropped in the Phoenix area with some regularity. That doesn't mean, you know, and, and our friend Dr. Lin Kitai likes to use this as a defense saying that, oh yeah, people in Phoenix are used to seeing flares. Well, that's not necessarily not true. true. Yeah. There are plenty of people here <laughs> who have never seen those or haven't paid attention. So if they did see that in the sky, they would think it's weird. Just like when people see Chinese lanterns for the first time. Um, there are plenty of people here who still freak out sometimes when they just happen to on one night see all of the uh, the flight traffic coming in for a landing at Sky Harbor International Airport. It mm -hmm. looks weird. It looks like all these UFOs are just hovering in the sky, not moving at all because they're coming directly at you. It's weird when you see it. It happens all the time. Yet people here in the sixth largest city in the country, um, you would think, you, or you could say, oh yeah, they live there. They see that all the time. But you don't. People don't stare at the sky things don't always appear the same so no i'm not getting on board and saying oh yes because flares are dropped here pretty regularly everybody in phoenix knows what flares would look like that's not right. true and and jason mm -hmm. that's you make a good point and i don't think people realize at least in the phoenix valley how flat it is for so long yeah. and when those when those objects are coming straight at you it looks crazy i know one time i was high up um, when I say high up, it's like, well, hill, Camelback Mountain, you know, like on a house there and at, a, at this dinner party and I got pulled outside. They were like, Marine, Marine, get out here, get out here. Uh, you know, let's pull the resident alien grill out. And, um, <laughs> and it was, it was, um, from one side, there was stuff going on in two areas from one side. It was, I was like, you guys, that's incoming flight traffic. It looks crazy. I know yeah. but that's just incoming flight traffic. And then to the other side. Um, I did some research and the other lights we were seeing, which were like weird orby orange lights were turned out to be the, um, skydivers with the flares. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, like you said, Frances Barwood was actively investigating this and she interviewed 700 witnesses. Oh my God. (laughs) I mean, those are just the people that call in. Yeah. Right. And, And she was like forced to then investigate it. And that's where a lot of the intrigue in this comes in, because she was eventually, like you said, Jason, she was stonewalled mm-hmm. at one point, and then she lost her position. She was ridiculed. She was made fun of. Um, and you have to wonder, was this some sort of, like, uh, agenda? Because she was look. I mean, we, we only really know about the case because of Frances Barwood at this point. She's the one that kind of made it go viral. Um, so, like, why don't we silence the person who you know, brought this to the public. Well, Clive um, Symington, who was the governor at the time, you know, has mentioned that too since the event, yeah. saying, you know, this is this should be concerning to everybody because, you know, here I was, the governor of the state, and I couldn't get information. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's, that's really concerning. So obviously citizens wouldn't be able to get information, but the governor looking into something that happened over, you know, much of the state, um, he he was shut down and not not provided with information that you know later turned out to be a whole lot of nothing officially, so you know that that is really bizarre and concerning. But after I you know just uh, poked holes in some of the support of people uh, dismissing the flares. Now let me say this: so um, in addition to the military denying um, having anything to do with the lights. And when I talk about the lights, I'm talking about the highly publicized, the second event, I guess, not the giant craft that allegedly flew over the state. I'm talking about the stationary lights in the sky. Um, There's certainly witness testimony that supports and military uh, statements that say flares were dropped over the state that night. When the military says those flares were dropped doesn't align when the event that people reported actually occurred. Um, also where these lights were dropped, you know, these flares from the, the, the flights that took place, I believe they were out of Luke Air Force Base, um, took place at the test range at the Barry Goldwater, uh, test range, which is Southwest of Phoenix, where these lights were, um, was considerably north and a little bit east of where that test range is over a residential area where people where where the military uh you know cannot drop flares um and of course how do i know this we've talked about this before but i witnessed the lights and they were pretty much right over my head i knew exactly where the test range was and saw flares being dropped all the time um so they weren't dropped at the range i'll tell you that if they were flares and having seen flares many times i knew that they were not flares at least not traditional flares or any flares that uh, you know are are publicly talked about or we know anything about. So maybe that could explain some secretiveness with the uh, the government, but probably not. So well, the flare thing was really weird. And then later, I guess some uh, pilots came forward over the years and said, "Oh yeah, we were flying over Arizona doing exercises, and then when we were flying back down to to Tucson, where these flights were out of, um, they dropped their remaining flares." Well, that doesn't explain it either, because that would be between Tucson and Phoenix, which is not to the west of Phoenix. Right. And and what's interesting, too, is it was the Maryland National Guard, right. and they alleged that it was part of this operation called Project Snowbird, or Operation Snowbird, sorry. And it's like, all right, well, let's get some more details on this 
Yeah, let, let's see how many more times this story can change on a simple <laughs> flare thing. Yeah. Well, and uh, guys, wasn't weren't the lights seen in other states as well prior yes. to Arizona? Well, that so, was I mean, the right first there. event. The yeah. first event. Okay. Yeah. The first event yeah. that started in Henderson, Nevada, yeah. and it crossed all the way over through like the Prescott area of Arizona and down all the way to Tucson. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, to me. Like I said, some areas are flat, but not all of Arizona is that flat where you would that clearly see in that close up um, these alleged flares in Henderson, Nevada. And the time frame was just not even even close. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. well, I don't think I've ever asked either of you this question, but being that neither of you were in Arizona during March 13th, 1997, um, do you remember when and how you first heard about the Phoenix Lights? No, I don't actually. <laughs> oh, I believe mine was uh, seeing James Fox's documentary, okay. to be honest. I saw it very early on on television. Um, I think I, I want to say th this was like the first year I moved to uh, New York City, actually. Okay. And I just happened to see it on at a bar. Of all things, mm. when I was out drinking one night, I'm like, oh, my God, turn it up, turn it up. I had mm. the bartender, like, turn the volume up. I'm like, guys, look at this, look at this. So, yeah, it was uh, pretty dramatic from what I remember. But I also had a couple whiskeys in me, so. Okay, well, then I probably knew of it before you, at least. I know I had to have at least learned when I moved to Phoenix. And I moved there when I was uh, 18, so. Mm. Um but yeah, I mean, it's possible of... I heard it prior to that. It just wasn't a big, like, it wasn't as big of a news item, yeah, sort of. Right. Hmm. Yep, I'm, I'm the same way. It kind of slipped under the radar for me. I mean, obviously, I knew about Roswell and all the, the go-tos. But, uh, you know, I think until you really, like, compile mass sightings, uh, just here in the United States, um, obviously, this is at the top of the list. Well, and this event, you know, you think about, and I think we may have touched on this, Ryan, but uh, if this event happened today, you know, I don't think it would be as big of a deal as it is, because this is a time uh, before social media. So, you know, there wasn't this saturation of everything. So I, I think had this occurred during, uh, you know, today, if it happened today, you know, it would it would make the rounds. All of the uh, the British tabloids would cover it. Um, it would be you know news for a day, maybe a couple days. Then people would be back to talking about Trump or anything else. So well, because it has happened. It because, happened twice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Two thousand eight and, and two thousand nine, and they were they were all debunked. But like it made news and went around, and everyone thought about like, oh, the Phoenix lights are back. The Phoenix lights are back. But really, there was explanation. So. Yeah, but it, it blipped and it was gone. And and we know that, mm -hmm. you know, UFO events, uh, UFO sightings are, are reporting it, reported every day around the world. Um, and we see some that get a little more attention than others. But, you know, in a matter of days, they're they're over and done with. Yeah. Well, one of the interesting things, um, again, I, I, I have to bring up James Fox, like Jason and I. Uh, we heard his discussion at the Congress this year about uh, he brought some witnesses. And one of the really interesting aspects from that was that 
Uh, some of these witnesses claimed that they saw the lights and they had some sort of temporary amnesia. Now, I don't want to get too out there, but, um, you know, I'm working with a guy right now about a case back in the 70s where this same thing happened to him after seeing a similar, uh, you know, delta formation of lights. Um and he Fox spoke to these two women who were having tea. They looked up, saw the Phoenix lights, and then it glided over their heads, and then they went back to drinking their tea. Um, so, you know, maybe there's something to this that even the people who saw it, um, they don't necessarily remember it happening. And uh, Maybe that's why it stayed quiet. Are you, are you so saying long. they don't know what they saw? <laughs> they don't right. know what they saw in good, I Know What I Saw. That Corny was really... jokes. <laughs> uh, I haven't had my coffee yet, so here you go. I was going to make an <laughs> under-the-radar joke, but I, I didn't go there. Well, um, you know, here's something I will throw out, um, just playing devil's advocate here. With things like that, we get into, and we see it a lot with this case, um, just how fallible memory is and how terrible witness testimony is. Um, yes. With things like this where, you know, people saw something, didn't really make much of it. Then later, um, you know, things start coming out and, and it becomes a bigger deal. You know, you have to wonder how much, like what those people have seen since then or other influences play a role in that. Because I think we've all probably experienced that too. I know I have where I saw something in the sky or saw, you know, a, like a yellow car driving down the freeway, which just happened here in Phoenix where police were doing this high-speed chase, chasing somebody. You know, you see some maniac driving on the freeway and you think, oh, that guy's an asshole, doesn't know how to drive. I hope cops pull him over. And then you watch the news <laughs> later and find out that uh, this guy killed somebody and was fleeing the police and leading him on a high-speed chase all over the state. Um, you know, then all, your, your mind can invent, invent all sorts of things and go, oh, yeah, I saw that guy. He was wearing a sombrero and he was waving a gun. And, you know, mm -hmm. you, know you, you just kind of build stories in your mind and fill in gaps um, to try to, you know, piece together a, a narrative, I think, with some things like that and things in the sky. I've seen things where, you know, I saw something weird and didn't really understand what it was. Then later found out that it was a, a blimp covering a, a sporting event or something. And then I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I think I heard the, the, the noise of the, the blimp and saw the shape or whatever. You know, it, just inventing things in my head that I don't necessarily remember seeing. I know with the Phoenix Lights, I've tried to put up that wall and, and uh, you know, re resist letting that happen to my memories because I know my memories are extremely foggy when it comes to an event that happened 20 years ago, um, down to not even uh, committing to a, a number of lights that I remember seeing because I don't have a clue how many lights I saw. You know, I'm, right. I'm not going to remember a detail that small, but I know many yeah. witnesses over the years mm -hmm. have come up with these very, very descriptive details, the tiniest little details um, for every second that happened that night. And, you know, it's a little hard to believe. And I, I think that's a good point. Like on, on the side of now, don't freak out, Internet. I'm not saying the Phoenix Lights is, it, you know, completely debunked or anything, but some of the um, evidence, not evidence, I should say, some of the um, attempts to debunk the lights are can be kind of convincing at times, which is why it's so easy for people to, I think, shut it down. Um, 
because if you watch these, you know, different videos and the stabilization and the new treatment of it, you know, it can be very interesting. But I did see, and and that's just a side note kind of, um, which is like, it's very easy to be torn on either side of the spectrum here. But I saw some people saying there was, you know, all this new testimony, this new witness was coming out. And I have over the years in Arizona met so many of my friends who've ended up tell me, telling me, you know, oh, I saw the Phoenix lights and they'll tell me their story. But there's this one account that everyone was freaking out recently of, oh, this new witness. And it, he said he was a kid. And then he had details about, you know, like, I believe, you know, it was it was 5,000 feet in the air. It's like, OK, if you're a, you know, nine year old kid, you're probably not going to be able to guess right. what the elevation was of this object, you know, like you're ju- you're just not i'm i'm not trying to say you're not smart enough at 9 years old it's just you're probably not <laughs> <laughs> hey man when but, i was a kid the statue of liberty was like thousands of feet tall yeah exactly so so it's <laughs> and it fought the state puff marshmallow man that's right and then when i saw it as an adult i was all wait a second that's not the same <laughs> statue why yeah, why they bring in the mini <laughs> yeah it's hard to yeah it's hard to um rely on some of these newer testimonies that are coming out with so many detail. You can imagine these people have been probably telling the story to yeah. everyone they know. For, well, that's right. And know, that's why you've got to, you've got to, you know, question and be a little skeptical of, of new witnesses who come forward, especially in cases like the battle of Los Angeles or Roswell, like, you know, and Rendlesham. really long time ago and Rendlesham, yeah, you know, so this event, especially that, Battle of Los Angeles, right? Yep. You know, they're, they're, most of them are gone. So, you know, the ones who, who are still around and keep popping up, um, which doesn't happen that often, but it, it has been happening. Um, they're extremely old. So they were really young when it happened and it happened so long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah, point. So um, I, I but, just want to touch on... Uh, you know, a little of what you mentioned, Ryan, and that is something that, all right, I'm going to be unpopular here and uh, just want to kind of address something that even Richard Dolan mentioned during the panel discussion that happened about the, the Phoenix Lights at the International UFO Congress. So, Ryan, to what you were saying about the witnesses having tea and, you know, amnesia, there are also some who describe, like, sort of being temporarily paralyzed or whatever, you know, during a, during a sighting. And I will say, I hope everybody knows that I'm open-minded and I entertain every possibility because I don't know anything. Um, I think anything is possible, but I think it's more likely in situations like that, when you're talking about something as incredible as a UFO sighting, that the natural response is to sort of be in awe, to be wowed, you know? And I think some Mm -hmm. people get a little, I don't know. They overcomplicate things, getting into the metaphysical or, or whatever. I think it just overcomplicates and overstates the reality of what it is. And what it is is just that, being in awe or being kind of, you know, stunned in the moment of just taking it in. Like, wow, something is happening that I think is incredible. I don't know what it is. It's not aliens. It's most likely not aliens uh, having an effect on your body or temporarily taking over your brain or anything like that, that, you know, there are several people who suggest that is happening. And when I mentioned Richard Dolan, um, I believe he suggested that, you know, UFO sightings like the Phoenix Lights 
several witnesses have claimed that, you know, after the sighting, it caused some sort of change in them. They had a paradigm shift or whatever people want to say. And that's something that gets thrown around a lot for just simply experiencing something. You've had a paradigm shift. And I love Peter Lavenda, who is our friend and we've had on the show recently. Um, and he's a co-author of, of Tundralong Secret Machines nonfiction books. Um, he was just on Coast to Coast with George Knapp and Tom DeLong talking about the Secret Machines project. And I love, Peter is such a funny guy. And he's, he was talking about calling something paradigm shifting. And he said, everything is paradigm shifting. When McDonald's releases a new hamburger, it's paradigm shifting. <laughs> and and that's just such a, a good way to put it. You know, I think we get ridiculous and over over overly complicated when we're trying to describe things that are happening in the UFO world is, you know, paradigm shifting or, or things that are affecting and changing in our bodies when we experience something. Yeah, that's called being alive and being a human. When something new happens, sure, that changes how you, you view things because you've learned new information or had a new experience. That's called yeah. being alive. Yes, yeah. I... I... I, and you know, Jason, that's a really good point because a, that's exactly what my book was about. Um, yeah. you know, the aftermath of a UFO sighting yeah. and, um, you know, with my personal UFO sighting as a child, uh, I often describe it to people as I felt frozen. I felt a vibration in my body. Um, but I never contribute that to the thing in the sky. It's like you said, these are natural human reactions to yes. something you've never seen before. Um, it's, you know, fight or flight. It's, it's adrenaline. It's all these human things, um, happening to you all at once. And, even in the book, like, yes, it, it's, it's again, that human aspect to all this. Um, let's just, let's not even think about what that thing is in the sky. Um, how, how is it reacting? How is the body reacting? How is the mind reacting? Yeah. Um, yeah, y y I think we have usually to... with expletives, expletives <laughs> and, uh, yeah, various yes. other things you won't mention. Yeah. Yes. Um, it, it's more about us and how we, uh, we react to these things. We don't give ourselves enough credit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that, that that's an extremely good point. You know, like I said, all the people I've talked to over the years, all the, you know, research, um, I'm sure each of us has done individually in the cases. It, it did have a profound effect on a lot of people's lives, but um, not to the fact that, you know, like I know some people who became extremely interested in the UFO phenomenon after their sighting uh, at, you know, Phoenix Lights and other people who just were like, oh, yeah, um, not sure what it was, but on with my daily life. Yeah. Um, so it affects, you know, different people differently. And uh, and I think that that that's a great point, Jason. I, I, I agree with Peter uh, on the paradigm shifting aspect of of life. <laughs> right. Especially but, when the McRib comes out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I think that we can say that there's just so many complicated details about this case and some of it probably is explainable. Some is definitely not, does not, you know, coordinate with, mm -hmm. um, anything that can at this moment be explained. Is it extraterrestrial in nature? We don't know. There is thoughts that, you know, at least some of the sightings that, that were occurring were possibly, I know everyone's going to freak out when I say this. I'm not saying I believe this necessarily a TR3B, you know, like there's a lot of black budget aspects, mm -hmm. um, into possibilities as well. Um, but, but we don't know. There were so many different things 
scene. And like you said, there was uh, so many variations of how many lights people saw, how many lights people saw on this uh, alleged boomerang craft mm-hmm. as well. Like that varied in, um, and there's been interesting, like, you know, there's, there was a pilot apparently and a woman that came forward that said they were flying in Tucson and, and actually saw the craft in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was this gunmetal, you know, craft. We, we, we don't know. There's just so many aspects. It's, it's one of those things like no person is ever going to, unless you're, you know, a flare person, that's like a hundred percent. Those were flares. It's proven to me. That's fine. Um, but for the normal, like open-minded, what, like, let's look into the possibilities. This case will probably never be solved, at least right. not in our lifetime, unless for some crazy reason, our insane government right now is like, hey, we found this. We're going to cut the budget on, on black budget projects. <laughs> and, and this is the aircraft that uh, caused the Phoenix light. It's in our little black budget plane museum. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but but I like are either of you, Jason? You obviously said you know you saw it. Do either of you have a definitive like this was aliens or this was just unknown? Well, I will speak for myself, and this is one of those cases, you know, that I have been uh, left scratching my head, you know, for the last twenty years, um, having researched and and explored so many uh cases over the years and and looked at you know thousands of of photos and videos of anomalous things in the sky um you know we've gotten pretty good at at being able to identify things um that have explanations and this one you know has left me scratching my head i have no explanation for it um so i do entertain the possibility that sure it could could certainly have been extraterrestrial in origin. Um, I can't make that uh, definitive statement because that would be absolutely stupid. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's there could be, um, you know, some earthly logical explanation for it. But, uh, you know, based on my experience and everything that we've seen over the years, um, I have no explanation for it. So the extraterrestrial possibility is on the table for me. How about you, Ryan? Uh, same. I mean, as... Uh... If we consider ourselves investigators, I think if we weren't there, uh, we cannot make that that judgment. So I'm going to go with the 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 safest quote. I was not there. Yeah, I I knew that. I knew the answer to that question before I asked it. It's just (laughs) like I said, my brain is functioning at half mast without coffee. (laughs) No, you need coffee. I would have put it past one of us to throw a curveball. Definitely. (laughs) Yes. Definitely, Alan. Thank you, Ryan. Take the stance. Yes. There we go. <laughs> well, guys, thank you both for taking the time to do our Phoenix Lights Roundtable today. And thank you for hanging out with the UFO Mod Pod team today. We do this approximately every other week. You can always find the show at RoguePlanet.tv or on iTunes. And if you have a minute to spare, we would appreciate you taking the time to review the show on iTunes. Also, we love audience feedback. So feel free to reach out to us on social media or use the contact form on our website, RoguePlanet.tv, and send us your comments, opinions, topic suggestions, or anything else. You can get Ryan's book, Somewhere in the Skies, A Human Approach to an Alien Phenomenon, on Amazon. My book, Only Weirdo See UFOs, An Introduction to the Public's Misperception of Unidentified Aerial Phenomena and Extraterrestrial Life, is also available on Amazon. 
That's it for this one. Again, thanks for hanging out with us today. Until next time, I'm Jason McClellan. I'm Ryan Sprague. And I'm Marie Nelsbury, and yeah, I'm working on a book. (laughs) 